Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure again, three weeks in a row. Uh, whether you like it or not. I have this picture of a fridge up here, which... I can't tell you how many times Lindsay's asked me to go to the fridge and get something for her since we've been married. She'll tell me, hey, Owen, will you go grab a stick of butter out of the fridge? And I'll go and I'll open the fridge and I'll look in there and I'll say, Lindsay, we have no butter. I mean, not a stick. That's, that's kind of, under, I mean, you can kind of understand that. A stick of butter is only like three, four inches long, right? But when she says, hey, Owen, go and grab a gallon of milk from the fridge and bring it here. And I'm like, Lindsay, I'm telling you, we don't have a gallon of milk. Uh, I mean, I would look at this fridge and I would swear to her, we have no milk. I'm sorry, Lindsay. And uh, I will advance the slide here for all the guys in the room. Oh, oh. that's where the milk's at. Um, <laughs> in case you hadn't seen it yet. Um, you see, but if this fridge were empty there'd be no doubt that I'd be able to find the milk. Well, hopefully. It's in the door, so I'd probably still miss it. But um, I look at this fridge, <laughs> and it's full of stuff. You know, and Lindsay sends me to the, to the fridge to grab something for her, and I look at it, and I get distracted by all the other stuff. <laughs> like, I think it's time for an orange. The pizza is a lot better than... Well, I was going to say her cooking, but that'll get me in trouble because it's not. <laughs> um, I look at this fridge and I get distracted. I was sent there on a mission. I was supposed to find one thing and I miss it. Last week we talked about uh, John chapter 8, Jesus claiming uh, to be the light of the world and that if we walk in him, uh, we won't walk in darkness anymore, but we will have the light of life. John chapter 8 and verse 12. And then we move forward. John chapter 9 kind of gives us a really pretty and beautiful picture of what Jesus means by that statement. Uh, we looked at the statement in depth last week, but I want to I look at it again in how, how, it, how it fleshes itself out, how it brings itself uh, to fruition. And a lot like this, coming to a fridge and looking for something but missing it, uh, the Pharisees come and they, they look at Jesus. They probably look right at him. And they miss him. They were told, I'm in the fridge for analogy's sake. And they walk to the fridge and they can't find him. They get distracted by all the other stuff that's going on in the world. They get distracted uh, by questions of theology, questions about who God is and what He wants from them. So, just like this, Christians are in real danger of missing God among the wonders of His Word. We can become so enamored to be amazed by Scripture, to be in, enticed by Scripture, but to miss God. To, to know God's Word, but to not know God. To, to know God's Word, but not to talk with God. To know what God wants, but not seek a better relationship. To know God's Word and settle with a head knowledge of right and wrong, but not, a living, but not living a holy life. 
you know, having, having everything memorized. Like, uh, I know that we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. I know that I'm not supposed to cuss and, and living that life out. But then whenever you see your neighbors, uh, whenever uh, your, your neighbor loses their dog or whenever your neighbor loses their son, you just turn your head the other way and you ignore it. Hey, but at least you're not cussing. That's not the life that we're called to. We're called to a holy life that's better than that. That's more than that. And that's what we're going to look at from John chapter 9 this morning. Um, I just want to go ahead and, well, first off, at the end of chapter 8, uh, Jesus has just told uh, chapter 8, uh, the Pharisees, some really tough stuff. Uh, these people believed in him. They're like, okay, you're the light of the world. Like, I'm on board. Uh, and then he basically says that they're not of God. They're of Satan. They're terrible people who their father is Satan. And, and they get real mad at him. He says, I was before Abraham. Abraham's not your father. I'm your father. I was before Abraham. And whenever he says this, they pick up stones to stone him. So they're going to kill him because of his belief. They're going to kill him because of the statements that he's making. They're going to kill him because their ideas about who God is and what God's like don't line up with what Jesus is saying. So they move forward with this. Jesus escapes, kind of. He slips out the back. Uh, Verse 59 of chapter 8 says, So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So he gets away. He doesn't get stoned. That's good, right? Uh, I actually want to read all of chapter 9, and I know it's 41 verses, uh, but follow along in your Bible. This I'm reading out of the ESV. Uh, we just need to do this for, well, I think we should. <laughs> chapter 9 and verse 1 says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not this man, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the, work, uh, that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. He anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Uh, so he went and washed and came back seeing. I said we were going to read the whole thing, but I think it would be better to break it up into sections. So. Jesus walks out uh, of this meeting with the Pharisees after claiming to be the light of the world, telling them that he is their father. And as they exit here, here on, the, on the pathway leaving, there's a blind man. sitting there begging for money, begging to make a living, uh, probably broke, living a very terrible life. Clothes are probably ragged, despised by people who came and looked at him. And Jesus, he's walking by and he stops and he looks at this person. He stops and he looks at this blind man, doesn't say anything. And upon him stopping, they his disciples stop, and they're like, well, what's Jesus stopping at? What's he looking at? And they look down at this blind man, and the first thing that comes to their mind, the first thing that they think of is not, how can we help this person, but who sinned? Was it this man or his parents? 
See, think about it. He's sitting outside the temple. He's sitting outside where the Pharisees meet. Think about how many people had walked by this person, had walked by this person who, who, who's barely making a living, who's probably starving, who has clothes that don't fit, who's, who's starving for something better. The Pharisees that walked by him and they saw him doing that and they said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that his blindness was caused? They make a human about theology. They start, they look at this person and they think, they look past his humanity. They look past uh, who he is and they just see a blind guy. And they think, well, your sin is totally, your sin's terrible. And so we're going to debate on where your sin came from, but we're not going to help you at all. We're going to ignore you. We're not going to help you. How terrible is that? To, to see people who are hurting and who are broken and to see a world that's, that's tearing each other apart uh, about, uh, you know, whether you believe it or not, about different types of racism, different types of uh, Black Lives Matter, different types of churches, different types of, of things going on in the world. And, and we immediately jump to, how can we defend what we believe in? How can we defend what we know to be right? And we become, <laughs> we become bigoted in that. We become people that, that want to fight for what I know. And we look at these people who are hurting, who are living in a dark world, and we make it about theology. We make it about religion instead of loving. Jesus isn't there to talk about who sinned. Jesus is there to talk about the work of God. He says, this man, he, takes, he changes the direction of the conversation. He says, I'm not going to... It's not about who sinned. It's not about who was sinful in the beginning. It's about this man's blind so that God can work through him. This man's blind so that the power of God may be known, so that the works of God may be accomplished. In John chapter 6 and verse 38 and verse 39. Well, I think it's 6, 38, and 39, somewhere in there. It's John chapter 6, I know, Sorry. He feeds them, and they come across the sea, and these people come looking for him. We, I, I preached uh, two weeks ago about this. And, and they say, Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus tells them, the work of God is this, that you would believe in the one whom he has sent. So we see Jesus say this. We, we hear Jesus say, this is about the work of God, and our mind automatically goes to the miracle. We automatically start to think that, that God is about healing physical ailments in our body. God is about giving sight to the literal blind. But what he says in John chapter 6 is that the work of God is that people would believe in Jesus Christ. So why does God fix the blindness of this man? Why does Christ heal the physical blindness of this man so that everyone that he comes into contact to will have the opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ as the light? He doesn't heal him for, for physicalness sake. That's not why he's doing this. He's doing it to prove a point. And we'll get a little bit 
more to the point later when he believes. But he has an amazing progression of faith, and it's wonderful. Jesus makes it clear that God cares about souls. That God cares about healing those who are hurting. About healing those who are broken. I can't really imagine not being able to see anything from the time I was born. It would be quite something, wouldn't it? Nothing. Darkness every day of your life. And this man who you don't know, you don't know what he looks like, you barely know what he sounds like. He spits on the ground and he takes the mud and he rubs it on your face. That's pretty messed up. When you think about it, he doesn't even question him. He says, go wash in the pool and I will, your sight will be healed. And he's like, well, I've been here for a long time and this isn't working, so I might as well do that. Like, I've tried the other options. I've tried, uh, I've tried begging for money. I've tried finding my own life, but I got nothing. So he goes and he washes and he comes back seeing He comes back seeing physically, but his work of belief in Jesus Christ is just beginning. As we continue, in verse 8, it's the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And someone said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man, I'm telling you. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and received my sight. And they said to him, well, where is he? He said, I don't know. How could he know where he went? Last time he heard Jesus, he was blind. He doesn't know which direction he went. All he knows is that he went to wash. How unbelievable is it that, that this person could have been changed? People look at him and say, is that the same person? Like, obviously it's the same person. It's not like he looks different. He looks the same. And, and God changes some stuff that we don't think could be changed. Right? He comes in and he works in, in areas of our lives that we don't think could be changed. And he changes us so much that we're unrecognizable. Um, people say, what happened to you? Didn't you used to be a heathen? We come forward and we say, I was. I was blind, but now I see. A man named Jesus healed my sight. We'll get more into that in a second. But after, after realizing that this is really the man, verse 13, that brought him to the Pharisees, and the man who had formerly been blind now... Uh, They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day, and Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight, and he said to them, He put mud on my eyes and washed me, and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was divisions among them. 
And they said again to the blind man, What do they say about him? What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Now, notice just earlier, whenever the, the normal people asked him who had killed his sight, the blind man had said, It was a man named Jesus, and I don't know where he's at. When he's asked a second time by the Pharisees, he says, A prophet. He's a prophet. See, he's, he's growing in faith every step. Every bit of questioning, he, he continues to grow. He continues, to, uh, he continues on this uh, path of belief. See, and, and the Pharisees come in, and this is where they're missing it, right? They're, they're, looking, they're looking in the fridge. They're looking in the fridge, and they, they don't see the light. This man can't be from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Forget rejoicing about a man who was born blind. We're going to see in a little bit that no one's ever done this in the history of the world. No one's ever restored the sight of a man who was born blind. This is such a good and true and, and right action. But they're so caught up in the law that they miss it. They're so caught up in the law that they would rather accuse this person than accept the work of God as happening. And we'll just continue reading. Uh, Verse 18 says, The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. So they don't even believe him. They're going to call his parents. Like, come on, you're going to tell us if he really received his sight. And ask them, is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents answered, We know this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we ain't got a clue. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. He will speak for himself. His parents had said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. Think about being those parents for a second. I don't know if any of y'all have a a son or daughter who has extreme problems like blindness from birth. How much you would have cried over this blindness. How much you would have have wept over the day after day of, of caring for this person who could not see. Of loving this person who was living in forever darkness. Heartbroken that he can't see. And then to be, be called before the, the Pharisees, to be called before them, and, and God look at her, and the Pharisees ask him, is this your son? Yes, that, that's our son. And then want to just step back, because they're so afraid of acknowledging Jesus as the Christ. They're so afraid of acknowledging Jesus as the light that even in the face of this miracle, they want nothing to do with it. Verse 24 says, For, So the second time they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answers, he answered, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. 
But one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And the man's probably getting frustrated at this point, says, I've told you already and you won't believe me. And you won't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reveled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. See, if they were disciples of Moses, they would be disciples of Christ because he is healing the blind. This is, this is calling back to chapter 8. He's, they said, we are of our father Abraham. And he says, You're of the father, you, you are of your father the devil. Look, if you're, if you're going to be of God, you have to live and act and talk and, and communicate like God. Not obviously in the perfect way, but to live like Him, to live holy, to live righteous, to help those who are in need. They want nothing to do with him because just, just a little bit of what he's doing doesn't line up with what they think. Now see, they're asking him all these questions. The, the blind man obviously knows they don't want to become his disciples. But he says, come on, y'all want to be his disciples too? <laughs> do you want to follow him also? Notice, a man named Jesus, a prophet, and now he's his disciple. Still progressing through faith. As we continue reading, uh, we know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. And the man answered, why, I mean, think about it, guys. Why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, God listens to him. Now, see, see what happens. He, he does A plus B equals C. A is God does not listen to sinners. If anyone is a worshiper of God, God listens to him. So, those two things together mean if somebody is a worshiper of God and does something that is holy, Therefore, they must be of God. They can't be of the devil if it's righteous. Never since the world began had anyone heard, has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a blind man. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. See, he, 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 he makes it plain to them. God listens to the righteous. This man is righteous. God listens to the righteous. This was a righteous deed. Therefore, this man is from God. It's not hard. Like, it's not hard to figure out. It's not hard to follow. And they say, you were born in utter sin. Because you're blindness, you, you have no place to teach us. Go sit back down on the street corner and get back to begging. We'll have no place for you. We don't want, we don't want you to teach us anything. We won't learn because we're rooted in our old-fashioned ways. And they throw him out of the synagogue. Back to the street you go. We won't learn anything from you. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he doesn't even know who he is. He says, Who is he that I may believe in him? And he answered. Jesus said to him, You have seen him. And it is he who is talking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Now I want you to notice, this is the first time that he's ever seen Jesus. 
But it says, you have seen him, past tense. His, his sight of Jesus, him seeing Jesus for the first time, was not in this moment. But what is, it, was, it was through his belief earlier. His sight has, has not come now. His sight came when he went. When he believed and obeyed is when he received sight. That is when he saw who the Christ was and began to believe. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world. For those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard, them, heard these things and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. And that, this last paragraph is extremely packed. He looks at these people and he, he, he's told them, I am the light of the world. He gives sight to a blind man. He lets this man know that he is the Messiah, that he's here to bring them out of darkness. And he, he does it. He brings the blind man out. He brings the blind man into belief. Pharisees have nothing to do with it. They don't want anything to do with this once sinner. Jesus says in verse 39, For judgment I came into the world. For those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure what that means. For judgment I came into the world so that the blind may see and those who see may become blind. And this is what I think. Jesus is saying that, that throughout all of history you've been judged by a standard. You've been judged by the law. You've been judged by what's right and wrong. And he's saying, I have now come and I'm going to be the judge. I'm going to be the one who, who will declare you righteous. I'm the one who will bring you into the light. I'm the one who will bring you out of darkness. But if you think you're already in the light, there's no place for me in you. If you think that you're already in the light, if you think you've got it all figured out, if you think you understand God, you have an amazing relationship, that, that everything is okay, then how can Jesus ever change you? God can't, God can't give sight to a person with sight. Jesus says that he is the light of life. Life comes through being brought out of the valley and into the presence of God. To being made holy, to being made righteous. To being purified of your sin. And these Pharisees... They're walking around with a head that's way too big. See, they think they, think they can say for confident, they, they think they can say, there's no milk in this fridge. There's none. And the blind man walks up and he pulls it right out. He, he walks up and he, he drinks of it. I just call it Jesus milk, if you're wondering, paying attention. 
It's wonderful. Their question, are we blind to? Are we also blind? I ask us that today. Are we blind? See, to know everything, to know uh, God's Word, to study God's Word, to spend time in His Word, to spend time uh, pretending to be a Christian, coming to church, putting on, dressing to the nods, coming and, and sitting in the audience, thinking that you have it all figured out, ready to debate anybody about anything, ready to debate baptism, ready to debate instrumental music, ready to debate... Uh, you name it. Having those scriptures highlighted, ready, ready to fight about it. Ready to be the one who will win the argument. And you come into the presence of Christ. And you say, that's not really how this works. I know it better. I know that you're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. hope that makes sense. We come to Christ to be brought out of darkness. We come to Christ to be healed of our brokenness, to be healed of our blindness. The truth of the matter is, I am not the light. You are not the light. Your thinking, your understanding of God is not the light. Your righteousness, your holiness on your own, your, your perfection on your own is not the light. It's not. Jesus Christ is the light and He brings you out of darkness. Nothing else will. Not your own thoughts, not your own understanding, not the law. Not your perfection, not your understanding, nothing. Can't stress that enough. That's why we come before Christ with our eyes blinded and we fall on our feet, we fall on our knees and our hands and we beg Him to restore our sight. To bring us into holiness. And praise be to God that at one time I was blind, but now I can see. Praise be to God that He has brought me out of darkness. He's brought you out of darkness. And I just would encourage us today to pretend, to, to not pretend like we're perfect. To not pretend like we know every nook and cranny of the Bible, that we know every nook and cranny of a holy nook and cranny of a holy and righteous and perfect God. To be longing for more today, tomorrow, and the next day, and to, to just want to be in the light more than anything else. Now uh, I've been going for a while. One final thing and then I'll be done. One of the things that I think is exemplified in this text is a person who's lost, a person who's blind. And Jesus doesn't make it about theology. Jesus doesn't make it about uh, a complicated religion. He just says, here's what you have to do. This is it. 
He doesn't look past him. He doesn't notice the sin. He's not overwhelmed by the sin. But he says to them, you who are broken, I love you. You who are broken, go. Go and receive your sight. I pray that we don't look past people who are broken and debate what's right and what's wrong. That we would be a people who are about bringing people into the light of Jesus Christ. That's what he needs, that's what they need, that's what we need. We can't walk by people and say, go sit back down, this isn't for you. Can't walk by people and say, sight isn't for you, it's for it's for us. Maybe you don't do that intentionally, but I, maybe unintentionally. So, if you're blind this morning, and if you're in the light and think you can see, but you're really blind, I pray that, that you would come forward as we stand and as we sing.